Welcome to Puro's Miners, bro. That's right. We said Puro's Miners, bro. Uh, this is a podcast dedicated to all UTEP Miners Athletics. Uh, Alex Nicolas, what's up, baby? It's a long, long summer without no football, no basketball, but this will lead into the fall conversation, my man. That's great. I am Mondo, the Monster Medina. And um, the first thing, if you're listening to this podcast, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate it. It's Of course, it's available everywhere, iTunes, Spotify, uh Google Podcast, all the it's available everywhere. So we appreciate you listening, taking some time out listening to it. Uh, I, I'm I'm pretty sure the first thing people are going to wonder, Alex, is be, before we actually start talking about UTEP stuff, is why Puros Miners, bro? Like, why how did how did we come up with that name? How did that how did that happen? Well, because from now until the end of the spring when UTEP basketball ends, it's all going to be Puro Miners, nothing yeah. Miners, everything Miners. Um, you know, obviously we both have a Hispanic heritage, both Correct. me and Monstro. So, Correct. you know, it's just, it, it just fits. It fits. This is going to be all now, UTEP. Now, now, there has been some discussion between me and Alex because we're the discussion. ones. We don't. We didn't know we wanted to keep the bro part because we <laughs> like the Puro's Miners. Uh, Alex like Puro's Miners podcast. But I like Puro's Miners, bro, because for some reason, like when I'm talking to a lot of my friends, I hey, just bro. say bro a lot. Hey, yeah, bro. exactly. I just I just think it's a catchy name. We might still change it, but I don't know. But it's, right now, it's Puro's Miners, bro. So, Alex, it is the offseason. Uh, but first of all, like if you don't know, Alex has a lot of experience. Some people are wondering, what are these two guys talking about UTEP? What, what are their qualifications? Well, uh, Alex, uh, let's talk about what you like, the, your history of covering UTEP minor sports. Well, as most of you know, uh, for five years, I ran minor, well, five and a half years, ran minorrush.com off the SB Nation uh, network. Uh, basically, was doing everything UTEP, whether it was football, basketball, recruiting, uh, previews. If you've followed Minor Rush for years, you know what I bring. Also had the Rush podcast that we did every week. Um, so I know a little bit about UTEP sports. And yeah. not only that, but, I mean, I've been a lifelong fan. Uh, yeah. We were joking about it earlier. I used to sit in the Sun Bowl during the John Rayburn era and UTEP would get drubbed every so yeah. I have a pretty high knowledge and not only just of current but of history and, and uh, I I, re I remember the UTEP days when when I was young um and um they were doing pretty bad I guess this is Charlie uh, Bailey days yeah. is that correct uh, where you'd bring you. in like a canned food item or a <laughs> uh, uh some bread or something like that a loaf of bread I understood they were trying to like feed the hunger and stuff like that. Now I get it. Back then, I didn't understand. But, oh, hey, man, just grab like a can of, of vegetables or whatever. We'll get like half off of a UTEP ticket. But I remember them days. Yeah, and, um, so, yeah. And we're kind of sort of in that those days of down periods. I mean, this is definitely yeah. one of the lowest periods of, of UTEP football. Going back to the yeah. Charlie Bailey, even before that, the David Lee era. So And, and before we get into that, I got to talk about like his people. Like, what was the other guy talking about? Like me. Uh, the qualifications I bring, of course, it's all those years, uh, working with you when I host You're still it, the uh, monster. Though, I right? am still the monster, the monster, put a monster that never dies. Um, when I, I hosted the sports show at, uh, where, you know, where I used to host it, Alex, you're my UTIP insider. So it's, that's uh, why that, um, every Saturday, every Saturday, uh, usually 1130 whenever you woke up because <laughs> my man likes to do stuff. And then now currently I am the, um, blessed to say that I'm the UTIP uh, football sideline reporter. For How was the, that for experience the last year? I'll be your honest with you, like, like you just uh, you just talked about this. Um, I like cause we're lifelong El Pasoans. We we right. grew up here, and just somebody as being a kid, being there at the Sun Bowl, 
like for me, it was always about family. Cause I'd go with me and my dad and my mom, we'd go to the game, some of my cousins, but like special moments, like when they beat, when they, when they won the WAC championship and they got into the, the independence bowl. I remember that the 1988, I were 1988. I remember being on the sidelines. Oh my God, that's so cool. And then of course, Growing up, but when you watch the minors, I mean, some people might not really think, I mean, because the way everything is now, because you got to remember back then, like, we didn't have that many entertainment options. Because right. let's be honest, when you talk about things of this nature, it's entertainment. Sports is entertainment. It's another form of entertainment. We didn't have that many options. So, like, for us, football was our NFL team. And in some aspects, it still is our NFL team. It's just that because, like you talked about it, uh, the, they haven't had as much success as they normally had. People really aren't going. But hopefully but with, with demo there, it's going to change. they got a different mindset. But for me, being like a kid from El Paso, going to Isleta High School, going, I never, I, I always knew I want to do some type of, I want to be, I wanted to be in the entertainment business. And I view the media as being as part of entertainment because you're out there entertaining people and doing stuff. So for me, being a kid that went to Sleda High School, being there at the Sun Bowl when they clinched uh, the birth into Independence Bowl, and then now the, all the years of covering UTEP with, uh, with uh, the radio stations I used to work at and stuff like that, it you even like when you're a lifelong fan and – we never take for granted, like I've never taken uh, uh, for a fact that the granted that when we have the press conferences, like, hey, man, it's the UTEP coach, man. I'm actually here at the at the at the Durham Center. They're doing the press conference, all that stuff. We act we act like it like we act like it's not a big deal, but it's always been a big deal to me. I, like every I time agree. I walk into the, the Sun Bowl, every time I walk into the Don Haskins Center, you know, because of the heritage, the history of the team, you know. Just being a part now that I can actually see what it's like with the team when they travel. I mean, it's it's a pretty. I'll tell you, it's, it's the closest I'm gonna get unless I'm working for a professional football team and I get to travel, or unless I'm covering one in the media because we can apply for that stuff like that. But when when it comes to UTEP, that the fact that you're around the players, around the coaches, you travel with them, and you're around them for especially on travel days, like you're around them like for for 48 hours because basically that's what it is. We travel on Friday, we go to the stadium, we check it out so the players can see what's up. And then on Saturday, the broadcast team, which is me, uh, of course, legendary voice of the minors, Hall of Famer, John Teicher, uh, Bernie Ricono, who's a very cool guy. If Teicher's cool as well, Teicher's legends, but Bernie's funny, you know. <laughs> um, it's to be a part of that, it's just, Sometimes it's mind blowing. I ain't gonna lie to you. It, it is like I can't believe it that, that that I'm actually doing it because when I was growing up, it's something that I never thought I'd be doing. Like like we let and let's be honest, we in the media take it for granted that we can be on the sidelines. Oh no doubt about we, it. We take it for granted. And I'm gonna give you a prime story. Because when I was a kid, I was like, man, I love to be on the sidelines, you know, just there during the games and things of that nature. Then once you, be, once you become part of the media and you're on the sidelines and you're like, oh, cool. Like when I when the Cowboys played the Raiders here many moons oh, yeah. ago, I was on the sidelines. And I, was I was in like, the captain's club. You were in the captain's I club? Man, my, we, we won tickets from Sunday 99.9. Man, you big time, baby. 
Um, but I actually got to ask Jerry Jones questions. You know, That's I think awesome. we Troy, uh, talked to uh, Troy Aikman. I remember Desmond Howard yeah. had just won the Heisman Trophy. He was a rookie. And I remember interviewing him. So for me, it's like maybe like probably like maybe my second year in the media. I was like blown away. So, but now you take it for granted that we, we do in the media because we've been doing it like for me 20 years, you like maybe plus 10 years that we kind of forget how special it is to some people out there. When we went to go play last year, UTEP against Tennessee, historic stadium there. One of the, the loud, it is the loudest stadium I have ever been 100 to. 100 grand in the stands. Yeah. I mean, and it is massive. Sumble fits 52. You're talking about a stadium that's 100,000, and it's just mayhem. It is. It's, it's pretty awesome to be at an SEC stadium, but this is what I'm talking about. Uh, up there, uh, Tysher had some. We we get to that. That was a twelve o'clock kickoff, Tennessee time. Ten o'clock El Paso time. We were at the stadium by seven a.m., maybe six thirty. We're usually at the stadium about maybe three about four four or five hours before the game kicks off. So, anyways, Tysher had relatives up there because Tysher has relatives in at Tennessee. Um, which is Knoxville, right? right. Oh, no, it's Knoxville, the Knoxville area. So, so when it comes to the silence part of it, remember the day before we flew in and we took a tour of the field because that's the first thing we do when we fly in with the, with the team, especially on the road. Coach Dimmo likes to have the team go on the road and we get to the stadium and then that way they know what they're going to be in. He doesn't, and I think it's a very smart move. You don't want the, the, the players to show up on game day and see the magnitude of the stadium. They're like, oh my God, look how huge this is. So it's kind of smart. Did you show up the day before where there's nobody there? So you can really see how how big actually the stadium is. But we're taking like, well, but here's the thing. We're taking pictures. Right. We're walking around the, the on the field, you know. They literally had the T roped off. The T like on the 50-yard line. line. You couldn't, you couldn't like step on it. They literally... Had it roped off that in the end zones, you know, because it's the iconic, the the checkered the, 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 the checkers, you know. I'd never seen that. No other stadium had it like that, but they had it there at Tennessee. So I'm taking, oh, it's cool, you know, not a big deal, whatever. Back to uh, Tysher's relative, like we're talking about whatever. This man's like probably like maybe a little bit older than me, and he's a lifelong uh, Tennessee Vols fan. He tells me, man, I'd give anything just to be able to get on the field. Like, yeah. just to, like, be on the field and experience what it's like. And me, I'm coming, like, hey, it's not a big deal. I'm on the field. Hey, it's kind of cool like that. But, see, that's when you realize, like, how big it is and how special it is to actually be on the field and the fact that we get to cover these teams and report on them and talk about them. That's, for me, that's stuff like that is what blows me away. And, like, and, and, that, and I have, I have similar sentiments too because I, I was there the 2000 season when we beat Rice and won the, the WAC championship, you know. And, and now it's my first couple of years at Minor Rush was definitely, you know, surreal. Like you said, just being at a press conference or being on the sidelines. The, the one for me, the most, the worst, the first thing for me was meeting Larry Coker when uh, when UTSA came in the first time and I got to interview Larry Coker on the field. And I mean, I, I that that to me was like that was my surreal moment, and then like you said, it just becomes second nature after that. But you know, no doubt about it. I mean, a great experience, and obviously, you're seeing you're getting two firsthand informations. You know, Pluto yeah. Miners on the sidelines. Yeah, and you never take it for granted that we are blessed that yeah. we get to, and that's what a lot of people. Some people, everybody that we know in the media is is very cool. You know, 
And, and I think in other markets, it's more like, uh, I don't get me wrong, it has happened here in El Paso where like some people covering the media were kind of like had uh, things against the coaching staff. Or, but, it, but it works, I'm the type, it works both ways. you know. Right. I, but I'm the type of guy that you treat people they, the way you want to be treated. So it's I'm always the golden rule guy. So I guess that's why I get along with people. And I'm not just trying to brag. I'm just telling you just the way it is. That's yep. how I am. Um, but that's the experience we've got. But you asked me that. And that's a great question because, like, that's stuff that every time, like, I'll be honest with you, like, I had never been on a charter. Fl- I've been on the plane many times. Right. Like, I've gone to Vegas. I love Vegas. I've been to Florida. I've been to Hawaii. I've been to Washington, D.C. I've been to many places. I'd never been on a charter plane. So you've never been on a, a tarmac where you're getting searched no, on the tarmac. No. Not, it, not in a I, terminal. <laughs> I had never done that, and that was pretty cool. Yeah. And this is another true story I'm going to tell you right now. But it was minors, bro, because we're, we're not going to hold back on a lot of stuff. The first security check, I'm like, well, how does it work? Oh, they got a list of, of names and stuff like that that they're going to pick randomly. I, I think I told um, one of the other guys, I don't know if it was Abel Rodriguez or um, – Eddie Rubio, who does the broadcast, I go, I bet you 100% they're going to pull my name because it's the first year I'm doing this stuff. <laughs> and sure, <laughs> sure enough, enough, Armando Medina, sir, can you put it to the side and stuff like that? And they, I went through the search, but then the rest of the year never they happened because it. it's random. I mean, it happened in Vegas because different situations, you know, and uh, we're coming back from San Antonio. But, you know, I just that's a funny story. But back to what I'm saying, I'd never been on a tarmac on a charter flight where you just like, go up like that and then it's the whole media gets in there just the, the whole plane like you don't realize how many people fit on a commercial airline plane because like for example like we the we get in the plane and we start doing stuff because i'm busy like getting ready for the great the, the game and other stuff like that you know we start working when actually this is what people don't realize the coaching staff is always working always. they are always, always. working you know, you got the assistant coaches, they're cutting film. They're going, um, they're, um, they're doing their thing. They're looking at videos. They're looking at the, the opponent's videos on the plane because that's where the technology is at. They're, they're working on the plane. So the working never stops. So, like I said, you forget. You see the players walking by. We're eating our sandwiches, whatever, you know. And it's not until, like, we, we take those tours of the stadiums when we land that you realize, man, there's a lot of people involved with UTEP football. Like you just, because you got to forget, like you just think it's the team and the coaches. You got all the athletic trainers, equipment managers, equipment managers, the uh, the broadcasters, which is us, the administration. That, you yep. know, so it's like stuff like that is what blows me away. So the first time I did, I was like, wow, man, I can just. I'm just like trips you out how to move 80 people in one party going across it's the over country. 100. It's, over it's over 100. 100. I would easy. always, I, I, from a player standpoint, but yeah, for 80 players plus 35 personnel. That is yeah. that is definitely fascinating. Hey, shout out to Nate Paz because he's been coordinating that for years. Nate, my man Nate does a great job does about great that because you know what Nate does. Nate literally stands. With the lady doing the security check when we're doing like, oh, this mono is part of me. It's good to go. You know, like he does with the play. Oh, this is Eddie Rubio, you know, and I'm doing a bad Nate uh, impersonation, but <laughs> Nate's a great guy, you know. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, but uh, like I said, the experience of traveling with the team is pretty cool, man. Yeah. I ain't going to lie to you. That's pretty sweet. So, yeah, but that's like, I love telling, the, see the little stories I like to tell because like, it's like from somebody 
from covering the team now that I'm kind of part of, and we're still part of the broadcast, but now I have like insight and things of that nature. You know that I like, I get to talk to demo at halftime. Like here's here are a couple of things that is pretty cool with the job. And out of those people out there, like mad respect to my boy, Jeff Limbert, who I succeeded, uh, my boy, Duke Keith, you know, I know uh, Robert Garcia did a couple of years. Matt Hicks, who's yeah. now the, uh, the broadcaster of the Rangers, Texas Rangers, used one to of the broadcasters. Him back in the nineties, he's doing. Dude, the, I used to I used to run I used to run Matt Hicks games for the Diablos like at when I was back at the uh, at uh, a Carity back in the day, you know, running the board for him for Matt Hicks. Now my man's like I turn on thirteen eighty and and oh by the way, here's the thing: we're not gonna like shy from all the other stuff. Nah. We're just going to, like, we on all those other radio stations out there. We we know other media outlets out there. So I was at first, but then right now I just decided well, I'm going to stop that because I don't have time to say the other radio stations. You know, I used to work at Carity. You know, I used to work at KLAQ and ESPN. It is what it is, bro. I have a good friend, my man Chris Gomez. Shout out to my man Chris Gomez. His saying is, it is what it is, bro. Yep. You know, so it is what it is. Uh, so, but I used to run the board for Matt Hicks. And now that I'm driving and listening to 1380 sometimes because they run the, the Texas games, Texas Rangers games, I'm like, Surreal. stuff like that blows Surreal me away. Moments, yeah. And the fact that I always see them on the sidelines. See, and the guys that you've got, like I said, I mentioned, Matt Hicks, Duke Keith, Robert Garcia, Matt, Matt Respects, and my boy Garcia, Jeff Lindbergh, and now it's me. I'm in that position. That blows me away, too. Yes, sir. Yes, so, sir. So that's pretty cool. And I, 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 I get sidetracked there very easy, bro. So you got to be you gotta be careful what you ask me because all of a sudden, like, <laughs> I I won't stop talking. So but I'm going to let you talk, bro, because – Anyways, so like I was saying, and we are going to get like, we, there are serious stuff because there's a very major serious thing that we've got to talk about. And of course, that's the the news that broke uh, about three weeks ago uh, yeah. about Kyle Loxley. So you know, I, I, I think that's a, a tough situation. Give me your thoughts on that. It is. I mean, it's, you know, the, the first thing that I looked at from the whole perspective of it is now we're about to see the first major decision of the demo, Dana Demo era um, in terms of personnel, in terms of culture that he's trying to build, um, and obviously an overall discipline. You know, as it came out, you know, when I got fed the information, obviously the details are very sparse other than, you know what, Kai's and you know, he's locked up. These are the charges. Now you're hearing kind of the details, and it kind of changes the game. You know, you're looking at this breakdown the charges, the marijuana charge, half a gram. It is what it is, you know. You, you you can you can you can have your personal opinion on drugs or whatever it is, you know. The kid didn't have a major amount, so that's that is what it is. DWI, according to the police report, he backed out of a of a of, of a parking space and drove down the street. Obviously, that's DWI, but to me, didn't hurt nobody, didn't didn't wreck nobody. What bothers me though is this terroristic threat. Yeah, you know, according yeah. to according to the, the authorities, according to the affidavits, the police reports, he threatened to shoot somebody. The face of your franchise, the face of your program, your quarterback, that you don't the way the way that Jim Center and, and Dana Demo embraced El Paso as a community and the promoting El Paso, you just you can't have your quarterback threatening fellow El Paso. Now we don't know who it was, if it was an El Paso and it doesn't matter. You just can't have that in your program. You know, and that's really what bothered me. Not so much that like I said, DWI charges, possession of marijuana, that's gonna happen. You know, that that can happen to anybody. But what really bothered me was that terroristic threat about threatening, and not only that, but having a loaded pistol. That's a problem. That's a problem, and like I said, that that's going to be up to Dana Demo. Dana Demo has a lot of pressure on him right now. This is year two. 
Last year didn't go as well as they, they had hoped. Injuries along the offensive line, I, quarterback I, situation. I've I never seen a team with so many injuries. That's what people don't realize. Yeah, and so now now you're pressing to a situation where we saw it in the fall or in the spring when we watched the spring. Offensive line, both of those first units looked pretty good. You, you're seeing some sort of improvement as far as the offensive line. But the, the, the player that gives you the best opportunity to put offense behind that offensive line, though, now he's in a quandary. So to me... It's, this is college football. You know, a lot of coaches at bigger universities may let this slide. The question I have is, can Dana Dimmel survive that from a PR standpoint to, to suspend Kyle Loxley for the first two games of the season and have him play to give yourself yeah. the best well, well, opportunity? Well, I, there's no doubt. I mean, and first of all, let's just say to UTEP's credit, right away they came up with, um, I think Coach Dimmel said that right away that uh, – Kyle Oxley had been suspended, so he's right. not with the team right now. The, the only question right now is we don't know how long it's going to be, and we understand that because you got you got to hear all the details, you know, because, right. of course, one of the things when you, when you read a headline right away, you because we are, we are just geared to think negatively right away, we don't have all sides to right. the story. There's always three sides, person A side of the story, person B, and then there's the truth. You know, those are three sides to the to the story. So I don't I don't know the whole particular things. I'm sure Coach Dimmo knows and I'm sure UTEP's doing an investigation, but you're right. When it comes to the PR and let's be honest, when you're a college football, your starting quarterback is your your star. Exactly. He is your franchise. And one of the things and I'm I'm just saying I'm I'm not saying we were not predicting what's gonna happen, but UTEP tickets are on sale already tonight. Please buy tickets to see the Miners. And I'm going to tell you this. Being on the field now, you know, because I hear people criticize the team themselves. Like, it's easy for people to call in the sports talk show and say, ah, they're not doing nothing. They're just on the sidelines. Like, no, man. I saw some of these players when they got injured. And and that's one of the saddest things that you see um, that I, I never – about because now that I'm the sideline reporter, I have access. I'm like in the middle of every. I have like, be, believe it or not, I have more access when I'm on the road. On the road, I'm like everywhere, wherever I want to go, like in the on the sideline. But I remember, um, I can't remember, was it Forrest? Key, yeah. Uh, yeah, or, yeah, or he yeah. blew out his knee. I think that was Louisiana Tech when the doctor, when they realized what it was, I mean, starts crying because yeah. he knew. His season was over. He knew. You, you people don't understand how hard these guys work in the spring, on, in the weight room, and then training camp. These guys bust their their butts out there. So for when he when and I was literally standing next to him when it happened because I got to report. Hey, like that's part of one of the the job that's kind of bad when you got to report the injuries and things of that nature. But it comes it comes to the job. Um, <laughs> and there's another part that's that I'll tell you, but he. He start like you. You feel the emotion of when a when a player is told that hey, your season is over. You know these guys care. So it, that would make me upset when people would say that oh, these guys don't care. Look at their demeanor on the sidelines. You know, and when I say buy tickets, when there's people actually there at the stadium, it does bring them up. But this is El Paso, and I'm gonna say El Paso's always been a bandwagon city, yep. and you really are. And if you don't believe me. Was it five years ago, whatever, when I was still at ESPN, whatever, the women's team with Keitha Adams, like they're kicking butt. They should have made the 
the, the NCAA tournament, but you lost uh, the championship there at home. First time ever selling out. And I was like, it's a beautiful thing. We're doing the show live from there. And I was like, hey, next season, remember, once you guys to show up, and what happens? Nobody shows up. No, once the, and once they, the season and I starts. They even, uh, I think they even lowered season tickets for the next year, and they had a they had a great response, but nobody showed up. But no, I agree with El Paso you is the type of city that unless you're winning consistently, they're going to show. And I believe that's the biggest hurdle that Coach Demo and Jim Center are going to have with this UTIP team. But they know that. And, they know and, that. And that's why I think that's a, this is a big decision whether you bring Kyle Oxley back. Because, I mean, let's just be honest. You know, there's 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 good development. They've, they've been able – Mike Canales is, is is a really good quarterback guy, but right now you don't have a a, a, a comfortable guy that you that you feel comfortable with. Now Brandon Jones had some pretty good games last year. The Louisiana Tech game stands out to me, but the guy still he's not what we saw in the in the spring where they use a lot of read option with with Kyle Oxley, Where obviously Kyle Loxley is a big part of what they're going to do. Yeah. he's not as mobile because he uses because Loxley uses his legs. So that and and that's sort of the offense going back to Kansas State, going back to even parts of last year where you're seeing what UTEP wants to be. So that's where you know what you're talking about. The bigger picture is exactly what I'm talking about. About you know the PR perspective in. in continuing to build the program you know a lot is riding on Kyle Loxley and, and, and that shows a lot of you know lack of a better term or whatever you want to call it immaturity or if Kyle Loxley didn't realize that's how important he is to not only UTEP but to Dana Demo to Jim Center they're trying to build this thing so that's why I think they have a, they have a big decision on their hand do you do the right thing and rid of Loxley which in my opinion I, I, I think you have to as good as a player he is you got to cut ties with him but at the end of the day I mean, he's good for three or four wins on that schedule, man. I mean, there's, in my opinion. There was a couple of games last year that I thought they should have won. They left easily four victories on the field easily. That first game, NMSU, Tennessee. Let me just say this. Defensive quarter. Defensive coordinator Mike Cox did a tremendous job and with UTEP that defense. And UTEP is lucky to still have him on yeah, the staff, he, I'll tell he, you that. Yeah, I mean, he just does a phenomenal job when it comes to the defense. So they, there's a couple of games they, they should have won, but what when it comes to the Loxley situation, it's going to be interesting uh, because the only kind of thing that we've seen so far is, because this is I, I actually started with the ticket stuff, and like I said, I get sidetracked very easily. When UTEP sent out the tweet on Monday, was it Monday or Tuesday? Whatever day it was, was Monday, Monday or Tuesday of what well, we're right, we're like June twenty second, so like the middle of June when they send the tweet that tickets are on sale now. It was it was a picture of Brandon Jones. Yeah, it was not a picture of Kyle Loxley. Yeah, it was a picture of Brandon Jones. So that I don't know if that tells you anything. I mean. It, it, they're, I'm not lying. They're in a very tough situation. They are, and, and, and it's. It, I really can't say like what they should do. First of all, it's just not my decision. But I wouldn't want to be in that spot because you've got you 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 got your uh, your star quarterback there. And see, the problem with with this, and I'm sure they realize this. Like I said, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was everywhere, yeah. and when I mean everywhere. It was everywhere, like on regular Yahoo News, yeah. not on Yahoo Sports. On Yahoo News, it was the headline. My you know, tweet exploded. The, t- the simple tweet that I put out from ten in yeah. the morning just exploded, and and yeah, you know, and, and that's the ESPN was talking about. I think a lot of it has to do too because he his, has a coach's son. Dad's a head coach his son used to be the OC for Alabama. Now he's the head coach for Maryland. So 
you know, like when I look at that, you know, and a lot of people probably would, would disagree with me when I say that he gives UTEP an opportunity. Because if you look at his stats last year, didn't complete 50% of his passes, didn't throw for very many yards, but he's still the best athlete in this program. I mean, there is no denying that Kai Loxley gives you, he's an electric athlete. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why he was a four-star guy. There's a reason why he signed with Texas. There's a reason why Florida State and Texas were battling for his services coming out of high school. He gives you the best. I, I don't, I don't care about the stats last year. I don't care that UTEP won one game last year. When he was in the game, he was a difference maker, don't, yeah. regardless. And, and that's why I think it's such a big, important aspect is because he fits into the offense. And, and here's a couple of things. Like I said, this is where, like, this is where this podcast is going to be unique. I can give you the perspective of what happens in the sidelines. Exactly. Like a lot of injuries, he got injured a couple, multiple times during this uh, during the season, and of course, of course, even Ryan Metz, you know, got injured, things of that nature, and then so it was next man up. And in a lot of situations when just or even like sometimes when they would take out um, Loxley because he really couldn't go or wasn't doing good because either his foot or. There's some, he was having a bad game, so they would try Brandon Jones. He wouldn't get down on himself. He would actually go up there, and like I, I remember specifically when they put in Brandon Jones and he threw like a touchdown pass, or they he guided them to like a touchdown. Like the first person to meet Brandon Jones, give him a high five and give him a hug, was Kai Loxley. Right. So it's not like he's like off to the side Hoping pouting, and, yeah. pouting. I'm not in the game. No, he was in there showing that leadership quality. You know that you expect from your star quarterback, and I, it just I'm I was very shocked that this happened. That you know, like you said, you talk about the DWI, you talk about the drugs. They're bad, but we have seen this before right. in other programs. It's carrying the the loaded weapon and the terroristic threat. I think that's the biggest decision. Yeah that uh, the coaching staff and coach demo is going to have to do it. That's, I mean, and, and timing of it, you know, we're approaching camp in July season opens, August 31st. You got to get, you got to be Houston Baptist by three, four touchdowns. If you're Dana demo, let's just be real. You can't afford to go into that game against an FCS team and squeak it out. So in my opinion, it's, especially, if you, especially if you want people showing up to the, the, the new VIP so the party first day in camp, Brandon Jones, Mark Torres, TJ Goodwin, Isaiah Bravo, the Juco guy they just signed. Those guys need to know their role. They need to know, okay, am I fighting for a starting spot or is Kai Loxley the guy still? Or is Kai Loxley gone and now I'm fighting for not only a starting spot for August 31st against Houston Baptist, but for mid-October, mid mid-October when we play UTSA here at home. That's what I think as a, as, as a mindset. The, what's the name of, of and I always forget his name, the kid that they that that came in from Houston, the 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 freshman that's coming. T J Goodwin. Goodwin, and, and he was remember he's already he's already in campus. He, he graduated early. He went through here, the spring. So. He went through and he and what what do we both come away looking away? We he didn't blow us away. He didn't uh, do anything special, but he's, he belonged. Wrong. Yeah, he he's belonged. Wrong. He's yeah. wrong. He's raw, but he belonged on that field. As I mean, he should have been at his high school prom. You know what I mean? Yeah, but but he was using the spring practice looking very suitable. So I think for a mindset of this team, and, and you mentioned it earlier about college football, and really you go from high school, college football, NFL, you got to have that guy. Your quarterback has to be ready to lead. You have to get that guy ready day one of camp. 
Dana Demo's got to make a decision in the next month because, I, in my opinion, you have to go into camp knowing whether this is going to be a quarterback competition. Is Brandon Jones your guy? Is it Brandon Jones and TJ Goodwin? Is it Brandon Jones, TJ Goodwin, Mark Torres, Calvin Brownholz? I think you have to have that set because me being an ex-player – I got to know how I got to prepare myself in in this fall camp. I got to know that if, even though this is my teammate, I got to go out there and kick his you-know-what every day in practice and make those throws. That's what's going to be mo the most important thing is the timing of this decision for Dana Dimmel because, you know, before we know it, I mean, Houston Baptist is, is going to be coming in here. And then the next, next week you got Texas Tech at Texas uh, Tech. Uh, yeah, and so, I mean, now we could transition into the schedule. I mean, my original thoughts of the schedule is it's very manageable for UTEP in a sense. Um, you know, but it's all going to come down to, to me, the set of the tone for last season was that first game where they lost the FCS team. That was a tone-setting game to me because I had a feeling that the, I knew well, when it was 31-13 to 13 and Northern Arizona yeah. was just rolling – that, I think it's the same thing for this year with Houston Baptist. I think how UTEP – and they built – like you mentioned, they didn't win very many games, but they built a culture of, you know what, we're going to stay in every game. We're not going to lay down and get rolled. So is that going to carry over from last year? And if that carries over to game one and they're able to give Houston Baptist what I feel should be a dumping – this team may have something, but I think Dana Demo is in a position now where he's got to set that up to make sure that he has his quarterback and his offense right going into that August 31st opener. No doubt there, because as we look at the schedule, you know that. And here's the one thing that it's not Dana Demo's fault. It's not Jim Center's fault. It's just that, like I said, there are a lot of options, entertainment options. See, because you're going to have your hardcore UTEP minor fans show 15, up. 15,000 every yeah, time. Yeah, the 15,000, like, like my girl Pat, you know, she's hardcore, you know, Shout her and her Pat husband. And What's up, Pat? What's up, girl? What's up, my man Willie, you know? You got your hardcore, you know, people out there. But the people they need to start showing up to these games are the uh, casual fans. Right. See, and the problem is that, like, last year, Northern Arizona, when people, the casual fans, saw Northern Arizona, I've never heard of them. UTEP should just whip up, whip, whip them up. What they didn't know is that Northern Arizona almost beat regular Arizona yeah. the previous year. They had a quarterback that was setting all these types of records. Prolific they, offense in they, FCS. They, 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 they had a quarterback and wide receiver combination that started for four years straight. That's what people didn't realize because all they see is, Northern oh, Arizona. it's Northern Arizona. The Lumberjacks. You, UTEP <laughs> should whip them up, but that wasn't the case. So when they, and this is the same thing, it's name recognition. This year on August 31st, UTEP opens up with Houston Baptist. The casual fan thinks Houston Baptist isn't that good. So UTEP, you're Division One. You know, you know, you've played big teams like Texas, Oklahoma, and the pro the part is that the fans still think that because they're still kind of living off of the uh, the Mike Price years, right? You know, and a lot of those fans haven't came back. No, they they haven't. But the, so the thing is, is that name recognition when you see a Houston a Houston Baptist. They expect them to whoop them up. That's why you're saying they got to beat them by like four touchdowns and stuff like that. You know, they got they got to win this game. Because Mijas Quintanilla is more important than a Houston Baptist game. Let's just be honest. I, Let's I, just be I, honest. I, I told you there's entertainment options exactly. out there. You know, and then the next week you play Texas Tech. You know, and it is what it is. Texas Tech got a brand new coach. Uh, let's, uh, let's see what happens. A brand new system. You exactly. Know, they're no more longer air raid. This is Matt Wells. Utah played Utah State. 2014 in the bowl game, that was more of a run-based, a power run option. 
that's that it will be kind of a, a measuring stick, if you will, as far as where because there's still talent there at Texas Tech. Yeah. Obviously, you know they lost the mojo with the passing game. We're not going to see five thousand yard passers from Texas Tech by, no more. By the way, ask me which is the offense I was most impressed with all of last year. The teams that UTEP played. Ask me what you got. UNLV. UNLV. U of, Tony Sanchez. UNLV was the team that I was just in shock at how quick and powerful they were. Where this UTEP minor defense basically couldn't stop them. I think I can't remember what the score was at halftime. Oh, yeah, it, was, it was bad. Yeah, it was bad. It was bad. Um, but then the very next week, you play Tennessee. There's your name. See, you tell the UTEP fans, UNLV and Tennessee right off the bat, they're going to think Tennessee is going to be the team that's just going to route the minors because it's Tennessee. You start thinking Peyton Man, you start thinking tradition. UNLV, you think UNLV running Rebels. Let's be honest, you're thinking about the basketball squad. You're not talking, you don't think about football, right. you know? So, but the fact that UNLV, it's all about the offense. You know, they had like a couple of running backs that are just amazing. You know, the quarterback was all right. Loxley and the quarterback, I think, I think you're going to put Loxley in that yeah, system. It would have been exactly the same. Um, but Tennessee, you know, different style of, of, of offense there. And 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 Mike Cox did a tremendous job at halftime. I think it was like 3-0 or something yeah. like that. You know, very manageable. And they only like put up 24, was it 24-7 to 7 or something like that? Yeah. And I think a couple of those were. I'll tell you what, I, I I started off saying that. We're talking about, oh, it's great to be in the Tennessee Ball Stadium. For it being the loudest stadium that I've ever been to. In that first half, it was really right. quiet. Yeah. I'm telling you, at halftime, it was really quiet. And the miners punched them in the mouth a little bit. Shout yeah. out the defense. If, if they could have had too. any offense generated, and I think that was one of the biggest problems with the the miners last year. The defense is busting their butts, and so is the offense. But the offense just couldn't generate yeah. any. If the offense could have generated anything, especially with Tennessee, there's only two games really that they truly just got demolished. UNLV was one of them, but UTEP was scoring with them, and then eventually they just pulled away. But the one game I was shocked is when they played Western Kentucky, and Western Kentucky just just rolled them. Yeah, I mean, it sometimes it is what it is. They they, they just got rolled, and I think and at sometimes that point, it happens. At that point of the season, it was you know you could see the frustration was starting to settle. In. The not so much the frustration with each other, but I think. The, the continued injuries, you know, the bad breaks, you know, the lack of offense. The injuries. And, and, and the injuries were a big part. But, you know, as we wrap up the football talk, looking at the schedule, there's one quirk in the schedule that, that stood out to me, and I wanted to get your opinion on it. UTEP New Mexico State is now during rivalry week with the rest of college football rivalries. I like it. I, I, do I like don't it. like playing New Mexico State week two, week three. I, I was always, under Sean Coogler, it would always get me nervous that he'd lose that game because of, the Sean Cougar offense, you know, going back to that run base, they always started off slow. Sean always handled New Mexico State, but I like that. I like that Thanksgiving weekend. It adds a little bit of intrigue. Obviously, New Mexico State has kind of been on the up and up, you know, recently. They've been down last year, but, I mean, I like that. I really like that. That's a, that's where college football rivalry should be is in late November. I have no problem with that. I'm, just, I'm I'll be honest with you. I'm just happy that they're playing – New Mexico State and the battle of I-10 continues because there was a couple of years there that we, 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 we didn't have that because, oh, I don't know what deal Stahl and the AD from NMSU they had or whatever because remember, they're a couple they of years. They skipped a year. They, they skipped skip a couple year. of years, yeah. you know, or one year we would play, then it'd be like two years and we wouldn't play again. But now that they're having the the home and home, I, I have no problem with that. I like it. I, mean, I like it. I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to lie to you. I'm surprised that there's two double, that there's two buys. Yeah. I mean, I ain't gonna. Lie. I kind of like that. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie to you either. That 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 for me, that's the one thing that 
that um, I saw. But UTEP has got a very manageable season. You know, as of right now, like that, that I haven't seen the new guys coming in. That now that we can talk about, since we're part of also like Town Talk Sports El Paso, uh, one of the things that we get to do, we get to see a lot of the high school local talent. Now that, and that's a big win for Coach Demo and UTEP there, that they got Deion Hankins there. I am so excited to see what they can do with a, a caliber of Deion Hankins there because I'm sure when they pitched him, it was like, hey, you can be the next Aaron Jones because we're going to give you playing time. Was it Arkansas was after him? Yeah, you saw the Arkansas pictures, you know, like close. who knows what, well, how much playing time he'd get. So I, I like the fact that he's that, there. But, you know, UTEP lost a running back, Josh Fields, um, yeah, he you just know, transferred, transferred. To, to Georgia Southern. So that opens up an opportunity. And there was a lot of talk. Um, you know, a lot of chatter in the spring about, well, is Dion is Dion his best position at UTEP a running back? Is it a linebacker? Is that defensive end? Well, now he's going to be a running back. He's going to be in that mix. He's out there at spring workout or summer workouts right now. He's already enrolled. He's taking summer classes. So that's that's going to be a good an interesting mix of how he comes into a factor. But, I mean, looking at, looking at this schedule, like you said, how it's manageable, you know, I'm looking at that Houston Baptist game as big games. I'm looking at the Nevada game. That's going to be a tough game game but if, if you tip that's a litmus test game southern miss on the road is tough utsa at home is winnable florida international that's tough la tech at home even though U- utsa is one of those games that, that they should have won they, but they mistakes like they, they need to fix the special teams right that's one of the things i'm sure they're going to work on this year but that's one of those games utsa that they they had that game they right. had that game you know look, and then loxley got literally injured literally like the very end of the game where they had to throw in uh, Brian, Brian, uh, Brian Metz, yeah. like the last Came play of the game, and, literally. And, yeah, and, and so, I mean, the schedule's manageable, but you still got tough road games still. You, you got to go to North Texas. You got to go to UAB, but you got Rice at home. You got Charlotte at home. You got UTSA at home. You know, those are games that in conference play, those are games you should be winning now in year two of the Dana, Dana Demo era, and it's going to be really interesting to see how it folds out. But first, things first, who's yeah, going to be the quarterback? I, I think that's uh, – no doubt there, that's the biggest question as the miners are headed into uh, to a training camp there, which begins in a few weeks. A man, few a weeks there. But we'll have more as, as football season comes out on that. Obviously, we'll be on top of the whole uh, the whole quarterback situation. We'll do a show live for Medoso, too. Come, come August, we definitely want to get a weekly show, um, you know, Obviously, during this fall, it's going to be weekly, but definitely during camp, we'll try to get up there as much as we can. Just a two-hour drive up there to Rio Dosa, but they're only going one week up there this yeah, year. Yeah, I heard about they're that. They're only going one week, so we'll be able to see more uh, here in town. But as to wrap this up, though, let's talk a little UTEP hoops, man. There's All right, man, some do big, it. Big do excitement it. for this team. Lots of transfers. It's been quiet, which is a good thing, I think, for UTEP basketball. Anytime an offseason is quiet, that's always well, positive. For the exception of the one where the, uh, you know, like of the well, the you, great the, thing, but that, that's been handled. Yeah, and, and that's those, those. But that was before he was at UTEP, right, of course. And, and that's, that's why I say, to me, it's not a big deal. Um, you know, I, I, obviously it's a big deal for, you know, federal charges and, and what we're talking be. about just to let people know it's that big scandal they came in where basically parents are paying to get their kids into colages the Holly, so. what, what were they there was like a name for it the mainstream media had like yeah. the hollywood cheating scandal something, or something like, that, like or, that but and then the coach he, used to be, he was at san diego right lamont, back, lamont smith was at and, san diego and and that was when it happened there was a few but notable celebrities but, but, he, but celebrities like Lori laughlin and right. you know stuff like that but 
when he came to the the, the coaching staff where he hit El Paso home was that situation. But but he's gone. Right, so. he's gone. You replace him. You know they hired the I can't remember the guy's name, Philando, the kid, the guy from Fresno. Um, you know there there is some transition there, which which will kind of be the question is how will UTEP handle that transition as far as coaching duties? Not so much from a team standpoint. I just think of how Rodney Terry is going to divvy up his offense. I think Nick Matson handles the offense. Um, you know that to me is structurally is going to be interesting for UTEP basketball, how they adjust. But talent-wise, I mean, you're looking on paper, you know, a lot of people are going to be talking about this UTEP basketball team. Not just us, not just locally. There's people that follow mid-major basketball that are looking at what Rodney Terry's done over really the last calendar year, preparing for this two-year run. Because this isn't just about next year. This team is built to be a competitive uh, club in terms of depth and having shooters and having size and having athletes for two, maybe even three years, depending on how this thing goes. And obviously, we don't have a schedule yet. Um, you know, we don't really even have official roster yet, but we know who's going to kind of be where there. You have the, one of the best players in the Mountain West over the past couple of years, Bryson Williams, now coming into Conference USA. That's going to be the guy that UTEP fans are going to love. They're, UTEP fans are going to fall in love and, and with I think Bryson Williams. One of the things is that there are so many players, I think it was four or five players that uh, Terry had, but he couldn't use them right. because of the transfer rule. And one of the biggest ones that came late was the Caden Archie kid from TCU, a four-star guy, still on the roster. I know there was a little chatter here and there about whether he was going to come back because of the departure of Brian Burton. But, I mean, other than that, I mean, you, you, you have a nice nucleus of, of core guys. Obviously, nobody's coming back from the Tim Floyd era. That's gone. There it's is officially no, it's over. It's officially over. Kobe McGee, um, you Thank know, God. transferred back to St. Mary's. Evan Gilliard uh, found a home recently, I believe. Um, you know, so now this is Rodney Terry's team. This is Rodney Terry's team, and, and this is – this is going to be basically how it's going to look like going forward. Bigger guards that are going to come in here. You're going to see 6'4", six, 6'5", six, guards. Are they going to press? Are they going to run the floor? Those are things that in October is going to be it's going to be kind of the ingredients for this club to find that identity because you have some size. What worries me, my only worry about this team is lack of shooters. That's it. In terms of consistency, there are shooters on this club. Nigel Hawkins last year kind of struggled with his shot at times. Um, you know, Jordan Lathan kind of came on at times with a shot. He may be playing more of a true point guard as it goes along, but that's really my only concern is does this UTEP team have enough shooters to really, really compete as an upper echelon team? They're going to be – this is a team that you're going to see win 15 games. They're going to be good. This is not going to be a slouch that we've seen the past three or four years. You're going to have some athletes. Like I said, Bryson Williams to me, the, uh, the biggest stat that I love in, in baseball is war. Wins above replacement. Yeah. Bryson Williams adds six or seven wins to your schedule. That's how I look at him. But it, it really, like I said, we'll get into this basketball talk more as we get some access and we get to talk to and, coaches. And, and but I think it's going to be interesting to see how they build this thing, though, in October. And, and, and obviously, um, like even like last year, we would say for the football team, wait until next year right. because they got some guys coming in. We knew he, he had Deion Hankins, but we really couldn't talk about it, things of that nature. Actually, no, he this one he told everybody. Just It's it's weird how that works, that yeah. you got to wait to the official, but you kind of <laughs> know he's coming in. And then also with the, the basketball team, we just talked about that the guys that Coach Terry had did not have available to him, but he will have them this year. I mean, that's like wait until next year because I kept telling my, my – my, my friends and family that do not live in El Paso, that live in other parts of the country, like wait until next year, you know, because especially UTEP basketball, there's a lot of fans. There's yeah. a lot of UTEP fans oh, out everywhere. there. No doubt. So, so this is going to be wait until next year. Well, 
It is next year. It's and, you know, and not only that. Now, and you got to produce. You got to produce. And the guys that are that were here that are here now, they were practicing last year, so they're not coming in not knowing the ropes. They know how to walk from their dorm to the Durham Center to get workouts. They know how to walk from the dorm to class. They've been here. They're they're minors now. They're not new. They've been here for a year. That's what excites me more is because now these guys have seen. They they saw the struggles last year. They saw when, oh, man, one of the worst games, I, I, you know, taking somebody to go watch a game and they're losing. I think it was like Lamar or somebody just pounding them, and I'm trying to, like, you know, hold a conversation with the date. But in, the, in my mind, I'm dying inside because UTEP's losing to somebody they shouldn't. Those kids went through that. Yeah, they went through that. Yeah. They understand that struggle. So that, to me, from a from a motivation standpoint, I think that that's not going to be an issue. The issue to me is okay. How, as a coaching standpoint, from an X's and O's standpoint, how is this team going to look as far as rotation, as far as style, as far as how they're going to execute their offense? Who's going to be that point guard that's going to distribute? Lots of questions. But I mean, the 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 positive thing about it. Is there's talent there? Yeah, you know there's talent there, and that's exciting. And, and obviously, we're going to get into it. And know. one of the things that I and sorry to interrupt you, brother, that hurts, I believe, the UTEP basketball program is that people see the success that New Mexico State is having yeah. every year during the tournament. But when you try to explain to people, well, they're in a very weak conference. You know, it's also a one bed league. You yeah. know, just like the way UTEP is. Uh, and with the conference USA, there's more teams, and you know you t- the conference USA tried all that other stuff. It didn't matter. Yeah. It's just one more team. That, there's one team that got in. Um, but I think that's one of the things that also hurts the minors when it comes. Remember, the kind of the theme of this. What we're talking about is the casual fan. They don't understand that, you know. But at the same time, it's not the casual fan job to know that. Exactly. That's why there's expectations there, like it. Because, like, you know, high expect, there's higher expectations for the basketball team than the football team. Right. It's because we, let's be honest, you know, we got the heritage. We won on a national championship. We got a Don Haskins, you know. So that's the heritage that this team has gotten. Hopefully with these guys that uh, Coach Terry has got in, that it's going to pay dividends this year. It's been a long season. Hope you all enjoy this little snippet. We're going to have a lot more. Um, not only are we going to be talking UTEP, but we'll be, we'll be covering Conference USA. We'll try to get some Conference USA writers on here uh, previewing teams, looking at standings, both football, basketball. I'm excited. I'm excited. Because you know what? It's Puros Miners, bro. It's Puros Miners, bro. Or Puros Mineros, brother. 